flower said, I wish I was a tree. The tree said, I wish I could be a different kind of tree. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week we're going to be reviewing Stud Book by Monica Drake. Um, I'm sure most of you already know this, but Monica is the author of Clown Girl, a novel. Her stories and essays have appeared in magazines such as The Sun, Beloit Fiction Review, Oregon Humanities Magazine, Northwest Review, and Nerve.com. She once wrote an entire issue of The Stranger, a free weekly newspaper in Seattle which flooded the city. She's now at work on the second novel, so I guess this is a little outdated since you probably finished that second one, huh? (laughs) Well, yeah, I would I would assume since we're reviewing it that that second novel is done. That's one of those Amazon author bios that probably hasn't been updated in a year or two. All right, to be fair, the book did just come out, and I did pull this like a week ago, so I may be a little behind on on that. So, yeah, all right. Any rate, uh, yeah, we're reviewing stud books. So here's the synopsis, also pulled uh, from Amazon. In the hip haven of Portland, Oregon, a pack of unsteady but loyal friends asks what it means to bring babies into an already crowded world. Sarah studies animal behavior at the zoo. She's well-versed in the mating habits of captive animals, and at the same time she's desperate to mate to create sweet little offspring of her own. Georgie is busy with a newborn while her husband, Humble, finds solace in bourbon and televised violence. Dulcet makes a living stripping down in high school gyms to sell the beauty of sex ed. Nyla... That's how I'm going to say it anyway. It's like nylon, but L-N-Y-L-A. Is out to save the world while having trouble saving her own teen daughter, who has discovered the world of drugs and the occult. As these friends and others navigate a space between freedom and intimacy, they realize the families they forge through shared experience are as important as those inherited through birth. A smart, edgy, and poignantly funny exploration of the complexities of what parenthood means today Monica Drake's second novel demonstrates that when it comes to babies, we can learn a lot by considering our place in the animal kingdom. Did you learn a lot, Rob? I must have forgot to learn a lot. <laughs> so that's a no. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to start by saying that I'm not really sure what I was expecting. Um, but I wasn't expecting what I read. That's That's for certain. Yeah. Do you want to go into our 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 colored history with this book? Yeah, we might as well start we... at the beginning. Yeah. So before, well, before this book ever hit our radar, uh, Livius had at at some point read uh, Clown Girl. Um, I'm assuming right because it was a, a tie-in with Polonix somehow. I read Clown Girl for the same reason everybody else did because Chuck Polonix spoke very highly of it. Very good. And uh, what you what you think of the book? Um, I was uh, I wasn't impressed. I actually went back and looked on Goodreads. I gave it one star. Ouch! But you read the whole book, the entire book. Okay. I kept uh, hoping, kept <laughs> hoping. So our opinion started out kind of not that great uh, uh, with the whole Monica Drake situation, um, but studbook came around and uh when she was putting out when monica was putting out feelers for uh who wanted review copies uh quite a few of the booked listeners actually recommended that we ask for one uh i'm, I'm assuming again because paul and nick spoke highly of of clown girl and so we did we reached out to her and asked her i i emailed monica uh, and i said hey you know we do this podcast we'd like to have a review copy she emailed me very quickly back and said, hey, you know, I'll pass your information on to my publicist. Maybe maybe we're just too small a fish for her publicist. Maybe that's what it is. That's, I mean, that can't be it because they said, I, I mean, we know people, we know a lot of people um, also into books and stuff who received uh, review copies who weren't necessarily even affiliated with a place that they reviewed. Right, You know, there was, they didn't really have reviewing credentials at mm-hmm. all but still reviewed advanced reader copies or received arcs of the book. So I don't know. So that frustrated me a little bit. So I took it upon myself to, to ask for a copy. So I went to eBay and I nicely asked the guy who was asking like three eighty nine for a copy <laughs> for it. And uh, I paid like three bucks for shipping and, uh, and we obtained a review copy. Might I also mention, and I'm not saying, cause I'm not gonna release this person's name, but oddly enough, that book came from Portland. That was the return address was in Portland. Hmm. This is one of Monica's neighbors. 
uh, yeah, so got the review copy and we locked in to do the review. But in the meantime, we went to Boston and in Boston, um, Manarchy held a reading uh, with a bunch of people from Lazy Fascist and Perfect Edge uh, reading their stories and stuff. And lo and behold, guess who shows up almost at the end and kind of interrupts Phil Jordan's reading? Monica Drake. Indeed, Monica did uh, did get there just in time for the last reading or part of the last reading. Uh, she did hang around and mingle for, for quite a bit, though. Yeah. yeah. So that happened, and then we got back and things settled back in, and eventually it came time to review the book, and that's pretty much where we find ourselves now. Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes on this because we did get a paper copy, which is, uh, as some of you listeners may know, I find considered very, very unfortunate. Um, I did take some pictures of some sections with my phone, though. So we're, we're going to see if I can actually read them now because I didn't go back to verify that they were readable after I took them. But I, I may have some quotes. Um, Ooh. But yeah, it's a, I don't have my typical Kindle highlights and notes. So I'm going to be working with a, with a phone with a, a, a Samsung Galaxy S2. Wow. Just had mm-hmm. to plug it, huh? Yep. You getting like... yeah, I had to plug my year and a half old phone in case somebody <laughs> wants to go out and buy it. So. Uh all right. Do you want to do the basic what the story is about kind of thing? Um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's about like four or five chicks in Portland. Yeah, and their lives in regards to having or not being able to have babies. Yeah, uh, it, it starts off in, in kind of like when we were reviewing um, Donnie Brook at, at the beginning. You kind of think like Sarah is going to be the protagonist. Um, she's kind of the one that that influences the the stud book, the the name of the novel. She's a zoologist of some sort who tracks the habits of of certain animals at the zoo. Basically, she sits around and like details what animals are doing at what time of day. And the whole time, she's kind of lamenting the fact that I, I believe at that point she's had three miscarriages. Yeah, at the um, beginning of the book, three yeah, miscarriages. Yeah. But it kind of evolves into into somewhat like Donnie Brook did, where there really isn't a protagonist. It's it's they're almost all equally represented um, throughout the course of the book. Yeah, definitely more of an ensemble cast of pretty much just crazy mid thirties. I'm assuming late twenties, mid thirties kind of women, um, married or not married, uh, babies or potentially having more babies or not being able to have babies. And their their daily their daily lives, um, really very focused on parenthood. Really, really, really very focused on parenthood. Um, yeah, and then you have the the naysayer of the group, um, dual set, dual chat. Do we dual set? I think. I I was I'm going dulcet. Dulcet could be dulcet. There you go. Yeah. Um, she uh, probably the most interesting of of the group of of uh, of characters. <laughs> To explain a little bit about the synopsis, she goes out and does um, live sex ed. I guess I say live because she shows up in a um, like a latex suit with the organs drawn on the outside, and basically puts on a performance inside gyms where she explains, you know, you know what the ovaries are and what the kidneys are and stuff by pointing at her own latex-clad body. That's right. But yeah, then she's the naysayer of the group. She's the one who um, her parents died, and you know, I think they were drug addicts. And at any rate, she's the one who doesn't really believe in having kids. So we'll talk a little bit more about her character, I, I think, a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, other characters you've got uh, Nyla is how I'm going to choose mm-hmm. to to speak that one. She's like the super hippie. Um, you know, save the environment, give her money to a bunch of different, you know, charitable causes. Um, that type of person who has a daughter named Arena, who is, uh, I think, 15 mm-hmm. uh, in the book. And uh, despite the fact that she's so positive and loving and uh, caring about the world and everything, she's really just kind of a stupid mother. Like, she doesn't really, she's not aware really of what's going on in her daughter's life um yeah and then uh we mentioned georgie no georgie is a newborn mom who is <laughs> way overprotective i think um with yeah. with good reason because very early on in the book she drops a uh a, like a vicodin or a percocet or whatever into <laughs> yeah. into her baby's mouth yeah it's mother of the year award for uh for georgie but anyway she has a newborn her husband is uh 
become very detached from from the family unit um, after the the birth of their their child. Um, and he's out. But, you know, he was kind of interesting too. I'll talk about him just for a second. Um, in the fact that he was painted as a very stereotypical male who just hangs out in bars and like hits on chicks. He had a pretty cool game he played. You want to talk a little bit about the game he played with the TV? Yeah. So uh, he had just one of those random things that comes about. Uh, he started a drinking game at these bars that he would go to. I don't know if it was multiple bars or just one. It seemed like it was more than one. Uh, where and it was kind of a commentary on like modern television. Um, but every time you saw a dead woman. Um, on the television you would drink and then obviously there was like a, you know several different rules but that was kind of the idea of it was uh you you would take drinks when you saw dead dead women and uh he gained a reputation his his nickname was dead man and uh he was very well loved in bars and stuff because of this drinking game that he uh, invented yep and uh i think that pretty much covers the uh the, the cast um there is and i don't remember his name there is uh sarah's husband ben ben um very good Rob. um sarah's husband ben who basically is uh he's just a big wussy so he's you've got humble yeah, yeah, you've bitch. got humble humble on one side um georgie's husband who's kind of like the womanizing drunk who has you know forsaken his family and then you've got yeah ben who's yeah just a emasculated a, a you know, kind of guy. I don't yep. know. I don't even know what else to say about it. Yeah, he's <laughs> just like, yeah, he's painted as just a guy who's, you know, um, yeah, you got it. That's it. That's all we're going to say about him. And various other lesser characters, obviously, as well. Right. So, um, story. Um, there, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, usually we kind of talk about what the book's about. This is like, I don't know, three months in the lives of these women. I mean, is that a fair way to... Yeah. I don't think it was actually time-stamped that way. But yeah, it was like you know three, four months. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> There's There's no like forward progression or there's not like... It's not like a three-act setup where, you know, like things change. or It's essentially just like um, the life of these people and um, for, for X period of time. That's about um, it. Yeah, something <laughs> something that kept I kept thinking about the whole time I was reading this, and it goes back to, and this proves it proves that I pay attention to what you say. Back when we were reviewing the Wolf Gift, you had said that it uh, it kind of annoys you when you have a book that takes all of the um, like kind of very stereotypical characters, and you were saying like, yeah, the one guy's oh, a doctor, yeah. <laughs> and the one guy's a lawyer, and the other one, you know. This is that's exactly how I felt about this book. Like she managed to carve out these like five different women, um, yep. four or five different women, and and even the men that are all very stereotypical. So Nyla is the hippie who gives all her money away and opens a store that doesn't really sell anything, but just kind of showcases cool things that are environmentally friendly. And um, Sarah is the animal lover, but she can't have a baby, so she has like this kind of jealousy that almost turns into hatred towards women who can and then you've got the dulcet who is uh you know selling her body uh through you know the sex ed program but then it's it feels it's okay to sell her body for other things it was just like these very like i don't see how this group of people would have come together yeah and and how they would have come together anywhere other than in this book yeah yeah i agree and then like painting the men is such like uh Oh, like broad generalizations of 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 the types of men that exist, mm-hmm. really kind of was weird too. You know, you've got the absentee father who's a drunk, and the overly emasculated guy who's dedicated to his wife, but pretty like useless and and you know, not very well appreciated. Mm-hmm. And then even the other men that show up randomly are. Uh, Kind of the same way, like Sarah's got a coworker. I don't care if this spoils anything. Mm-hmm. Um, who's like very alpha male, uh, physically fit, uh, a you know uh, sexually aggressive guy, who uh, is just painted as like the the ultimate man uh, that women should desire and everything. And uh, then Arena's got a little boyfriend who is just like, you know, a small-time criminal who's, you know, 
angry at the world type of thing. It all just seemed very, yeah, like cookie cutter. Yeah, I, and and I mean, here here's what I'm gonna I guess where I'm gonna say what I actually liked about the book. Um, probably before doing this podcast, I didn't spend a lot of time um, concerning myself with prose. If a story was good, it was because the story was very driven through. Um, you know, events and reactions and stuff and, and, you know, action, not action like Rambo action, but, you know, I mean, things were happening. And in Mm -hmm. this book, I just didn't feel that was there. Her prose, on the other hand, is very, very good in in small doses. So line by line, I think that she's a real good writer. There was just no story here. I just couldn't... There was nothing that kept me turning the page except that I have to give the goddamn book to Rob so we can review it. That was my motivation for reading the rest of this book. Oh, um, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about, you know, in, in preparation for the podcast and everything, I was trying to think of how what I thought about her actual like skill as a writer. And, um, you know, I'm very careful with my wording. I hope I try to be at least. And, uh, uh, originally in my mind I was thinking yeah she's a good writer and then I was thinking well you know that's it's not wrong to say she's a good writer but I, I didn't really you know like Livia's saying didn't really get much out of the story itself so I'm like thinking to myself what's a good word she's a proficient writer <laughs> like she knows how to do it mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of lacking in in soul a little bit uh, is the way that I feel about it it's like uh, if you're this is a terrible analogy, but if you if you study music, uh, and you and you uh, on the academic side of it know how music works and how to arrange it and read music and how to put notes in order, you could write a piece of music very proficiently. But really, creating music is more of a soulful thing that comes from within, and so like you know proficiency versus like talent, I think is is kind of what I'm talking about here. She's definitely a proficient writer. Yeah, and then, and this is my problem, and this is going back to Clown Girl, so I know you don't have any any input here, but Clown Girl had uh, what I thought was a real fascinating um, premise, and then I just thought the delivery was bad. So with this, I was thinking, well, maybe maybe she learned from that. And I guess, <laughs> well, and, and not to be a douchebag, I realized that Clown Girl was actually received really well, and I was probably in the minority for people who didn't care for it. I wasn't thinking this at the time. So I was thinking, like, oh, maybe she learned from that, and she took all the great stuff from Clown Girl and really told, like, a great story, and then that didn't happen either. So she's back to being, I don't know if I want to say proficient, because it's not, you know, to me that kind of says, like, you know, like all her commas were in the right place. You know, I think she could actually string together beautiful sentences. They just weren't, like, so ideally, here's what would happen. You'd have a guy like me that couldn't write his way out of a wet paper bag, Okay. And I have, I have, I think I have some like really great ideas for stories. I'm not you know, trying to pat myself on the back. I think I do. I just can't figure out how to put them on paper and make them work as stories. Like if I worked with someone like Monica Drake, we could probably put together something really fantastic. You know. So <laughs> I just spent the whole time imagining you writing yourself out of a wet paper bag, <laughs> like literal, like in a literal. Yes, I I understand. All right. Uh, so, anyway, that's yeah. that was kind of my thought. Oh, did you notice a overwhelming use of exclamation points? Uh, no, actually, surprisingly. O M G! There was exclamation <laughs> points everywhere. <laughs> and I think for me, overall, what the book didn't do for me was uh, uh, connect with me or have like an impact with me. I'll, I'll agree with you, Olivia. She uh, she writes some pretty good stuff. Uh, I guess I could even go beyond proficient and say interesting or yeah, very nice. She has a good style to the way she writes. Mm -hmm. Um, And even some of the stuff was borderline for, at least for me, borderline emotionally, you know, impactful, but it just failed to like hit the mark. Um, And, and I think a lot of it's going to come down to maybe this is just the type of book for us specifically. Mm -hmm. And other people might just fall in love with it because they're more, attuned to that type of writing but for me it just completely missed the mark yeah um we haven't reviewed a lot of female authors and i think what it comes down to is this is a book that was very much directed at women i think that clown girl was very much directed at the at the polenic crowd 
which made sense because it was kind of a quirky character with a with a, a a little bit out there story that you know the premise could have been really really or the premise was really great. Um, this was uh, this was directed at a very different crowd. I'm pretty sure this was directed almost exclusively at female readers, um, and I think planned to be a little more mainstream than Clown Girl was. Yeah. I mean, not to say it didn't land with a a male reader. There's definitely some very positive reviews I've read from male readers. Um, But yeah, I'd have to fully agree with you. This is definitely intended for a more female audience. And I would say like, all right, and another, I guess, back to like objections about the book to me, it seemed just a little bit on the preachy side. Um, and, And also one of the things I hate more than anything in any type of art, whether it's or or creative endeavor uh, whether it's a movie, a you know, a book, whatever, is white people's problems. I guess is the easiest way for me to say it. And I mean, really, this book is just a group of probably upper middle class white people that just can't find anything happy in their really, really probably good lives. And that one of the things that bothers me more than anything. I just can't. I have no tolerance for it. It's not interesting. Um, it's a little bit, I don't know, not insulting, but just kind of shallow, I guess. And that's another thing. So like that was kind of stacked against it as well, just that I don't like that type of story. So I don't know. Um, I would agree with you. It did seem a little bit, uh, a little bit like that with the exception of, uh, Dulcet who, who was poor, but part of that I think is cause she was, you know, spending all her money on Percocet and Vicodin and stuff. Yeah. Cause Drug, she winds drugging up. it up. Yeah, I mean, she winds up basically selling her ass to make some money. So, yeah, but other than her, yeah, the rest of the the women's all seem to be pretty well off. And you're right, they all had they all had problems. Very what I picture to be Lifetime Movie Network stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my other thought I had this was widely why it was widely reported that Monica received a hundred thousand dollar advance, um, which is huge, um, especially in the kind of like writing community that we're very connected with. Um, you know, most of those people, you know, some of them have three, four books out and haven't seen a quarter of that money. Um, that can only lead me to believe that the publisher believed that this would have some mass appeal. Well, yeah, and, and that it's they're priming it for other mediums, movies or TV shows and stuff like that. Yeah, so the mass appeal factor is is uh, which is great for a writer. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that's gonna say, oh, so and so sold out. I think that if you're a writer and you know you want to make a living at it the only option you have is to, to hit mainstream or, or you're not going to be able to do this full time as a job but it definitely felt like it was being aimed at a very specific target audience well i mean let's hope it does get there because yeah it did not land very well here you saying you want to go see the movie when it comes out no, I'm we can curl up on the couch in front of the Lifetime Movie Network with a bowl of popcorn and some tissues. Oh, only if it's organic popcorn um, <laughs> with like I don't know, hundred percent recycled Recy- tissue paper, <laughs> not from rainforests. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, we had a conversation online in one of the uh, one of the private groups that we belong to that. <laughs> It said that this didn't paint Portland in a very flattering way either. And my response was, yeah, I don't know anything about Portland, but after reading this book, I don't want to go visit. That's the thing. Like, this is the absolute first time that I've heard anything that would make me not want to, you know, that would taint my my vision of Portland. I haven't been to Portland. Um, I know that it's kind of overrun with hipsters and people are kind of misguided and weird out there by, you know, the stereotypes and everything. But this book is just like, man, if this is a bunch of these vapid bitches going around, I am not going to, <laughs> I can't, I would not be able to handle that bullshit. <laughs> wow. Don't hold back now, buddy. Yeah. Just tell, tell the listeners how you feel. Do you think Monica Drake lives in Portland? I would have to imagine she does. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, can we, uh, can we do a little bit of the quotes? Uh, go for it. I don't have any. Because... I was going to assume. Yeah. Print paper book. books man god damn it we're gonna have to read another print book soon too you don't know how upset i am about that yeah a couple um this is uh the the book is you know third person narrative but this is uh this is in sarah's head now that we're we're hearing this maybe if we had less people we'd value the ones who are around more 
Excessive baby-making was another kind of war. It was about building up troops, everyone secretly worried about their team. Would the Mexican families take over the small towns, the Catholics or the Mormons? Go forth and multiply. Those were fighting words. Yeah. And that's just an example of what I said, that within, you know, the the writing, within the thoughts and stuff and the ideas and and even the stringing together of words, I think this next one is probably the one that that, um, would probably most accent that i think it's pretty good so um unfortunately this one starts out with <laughs> um sarah was desperate exclamation point because then you know sarah was very serious about being <laughs> desperate precisely so why was she so monogamous because she wanted an actual family that was why her ghost babies gathered around her all of them clawing at her not one of them alive like that's good shit right there. It's referring to her three miscarriages, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this kind of vision of these uh, ghost babies, you know, that uh, it's terrible, you know. But I mean, good, terrible in a good way, I guess is you know what I'm trying to say. All right, here's Sarah again. Sarah's big plan was to get pregnant again as soon as possible, get back on the horse that threw her, do this to her body as many times as it took. She'd get back in the pregnancy cycle the way cutters slice their skin, the way drunks reach for booze compulsively, relentlessly. And uh, I think that was a pretty fair description of Sarah. There's also a part I'm not going to read, but when the, the baby, uh, she gets a baby poop in her mouth. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? It was one of yeah. the most horrifying things I ever read. <laughs> yeah, really, really well written. I'm just not going to make the listeners. Yeah, it was to, to skin that. So, crawling. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a crazy woman. Apparently there are a lot of them in Portland. That was pretty good. See, I'm not going to read from that. And then this one's really short. By now it was, condi- uh, so it's this again. Apparently everything that she wrote that was good was about Sarah. Because I realized those are the only parts I bookmarked or took photos of. Um, uh, this is about her attempts to get pregnant. By now it was conditioning. Coffee was foreplay and a hard-on was hope. Yeah. Just, all right. Sarah's just creepy. Can I just say that? <laughs> you sure? Like, all right. So, uh, and this is coming from a man who, well, first of all, this is coming from a man. Second of all, this is coming from a person who's not a parent. Uh... If you have three miscarriages, and I understand that there's that whole, I mean, I understand it exists, the the, the, the notion that you want to uh, pass your genetic, you know, lineage into the future and all that stuff. But three miscarriages, dude, adopt. Just adopt a baby. Stop being crazy. Stop, like, putting yourself in danger. Or don't have children, you know? Like, it, it's it, it was just creepy how relentless she was about trying to put a baby up in her yeah that that was sarah's entire her entire character revolved around exactly what rob just said yeah Uh, and like unwilling to compromise on the fact that the baby has to be hers and has to grow inside of her and then she got kind of weird because yeah i think she she loved her husband ben but then at one point you were talking about her co-worker Mm -hmm. um which another thing i liked about the book it's got to tie into this is Monica's ability to tie in um, animal behavior with human behavior. So there's a whole part where she's describing her her coworker at the the one point where she kind of wants to have sex with him, thinking that he will be able to father a child. So she kind of transfers the blame over to Ben. But you know, it, it's like that was how crazy she got. But the only thing that was good about that is her kind of describing him and what would make him. Um, you know what would why he would be able to impregnate her is basically you know relaying him to king of the jungle basically by yep. you know taking uh, his you know physique and, and kind of talking about what that means in nature and that kind of stuff so some of that i thought was was kind of interesting and fascinating even at points but but still again, through the perfect uh, sorry but no. still through through the perspective of that crazy bitch which i don't know just made it creepy to me see what you're saying yes i agree she was very very obsessive um dangerously so dangerously so yeah. she starts like using drugs and yeah at any rate I, I guess the bottom line is this everything i liked about this book was in very very small doses it was like a paragraph here and there yep so. want to do wrap-ups yep i think you should start okay um i pretty much said everything i had to say about this book um overall i found it to be lacking in story um the characters were a little transparent um, most of the time. The only things I liked, you know, I think that I think that Monica writes well within sections. 
I think she has some great thoughts. Um, I just, and I'm not going to say that it's, it's her doing. Maybe there's people out there that love this kind of story. Time will tell. This book just came out. Um, we might see it hit the bestseller list. Uh, we might be proven wrong by, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that absolutely love this book. I just found it, it didn't have enough story to keep me interested. I certainly would not have finished it if it wasn't for the podcast. Um, but what she did well is there were parts that were, were very interesting. I think that there are parts that were very insightful. I'm assuming she's a woman, so she knows these things, and I don't. But I, I felt like I learned a little bit about uh, women and motherhood or their their you know their thoughts on it, and some of it was interesting. But even those parts, I felt like I was more reading a, a manual, you know, how-to guide versus learning these things in the course of a story. So I really wanted to give this one star because I really didn't like the story. But after thinking more through the writing and, and, and the few little things I liked that I thought really did shine, uh, I'm going to bump it up to two stars. So that's a uh, two stars. It was okay. Is that the correct for two stars? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I want to specify if, if you like story driven stuff, then, then take my initial one star that I wanted to give it and, and consider that before you buy this book. All right. All right. So, yeah, again, I think I'm going to be pretty brief on this as well. Uh, overall, the, the book as an overall story just did not land with me. Um, the characters just drove me crazy. Didn't like them. They were annoying. Um, the, the preachiness of... I don't know, pretty much everything, like from, from Nyla and the way that she was like super hippie and environmental, uh, down to like just the whole biological imperative of reproducing and and breaking the characters down into very like, you know, simple archetypes or stereotypical types of people. Um, it all seemed like the, uh, she took a bunch of great elements uh, that would work in a different way or separately uh, and just kind of mixed them all together to the point where um, like it was a bunch of noise, like each, each, each thing was a, like a beautiful sound. But when she put them all together, it was just like a bunch of noise and, and it just didn't work for me. Um, she had some good ideas and some of it was entertaining or interesting and definitely unique. But uh, overall as a book, it just seemed like it fell flat for me, had potential, uh, she was up against some tough criticism even before we started reading the book. Uh, but I think that we like to be objective and, um, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think at least that, um, I can put those types of petty criticisms aside when it actually comes to uh, evaluating the book and it still just kind of fell flat for me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Livia's two stars on this one. Can I just say your whole thing about beautiful sounds, but put all together, made a bunch of noise was really eloquent. Oh, thanks. I'm giving you five stars for that. <laughs> Take that, Monica Drake. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rob dug up a piece of news too. You know, we were when I and I know you would. We talked about this before the before the um, podcast about it being uh, uh, optioned into a movie. You had actually told me this information, which I immediately dismissed from my mind when I was saying, "I'm sure they're aiming this at midstream," but. Um, Rob did dig up some information that this actually was optioned by. Uh, you should probably talk about this person because I really still don't know. Who oh, was. well, Clown Girl was. Oh, Clown Girl was. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Never mind. Kristen Wiig, who got her start, I believe, on Saturday Night Live, something I don't watch, but uh, has kind of crossed over a little bit mainstream with, I think, starting with movies like Knocked Up and stuff, but then she's gone full on like uh, lead roles in movies like Bridesmaids and stuff. Uh, Apparently it's optioned right now and it's sitting with her clown girl is. Uh, so um, if that, and we've talked about this a lot in the past, just because it gets to this point doesn't actually mean that any kind of movies can be made out of it. But if it does actually make it to the big screen and uh, hits, I think people are probably going to be looking at other Monica Drake stuff as well. Uh, I, <laughs> I read an article that said... Uh, if you haven't heard of Monica Drake now, you will once Clown Girl gets made, blah, blah, blah. No, no. I mean, you'll know who Kristen Wiig is for sure, but I don't think the authors really get as much accolades as this person was giving them credit for when it comes to, like, movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just um, Craig Clevenger. Contortionist Handbook's been optioned several times now. Right, exactly. So. And, yeah. So, which so, yeah, is great. They, 
in some ways because then the author <laughs> keeps getting paid for. Yeah, so. yeah, there's some like uh, ongoing action from that, but yeah, there's no guarantee that just because something gets optioned that an actual movie is going to be made, and if so, that there's going to be any kind of recognition beyond like a, a credit in the in the you know credits. Mm-hmm. That that I believe that's yeah that's where they go right. That is where they go. <laughs> All right, are we done? Are we done with uh, Monica? With, yeah, I think we're done with Monica. Okay, let's move on. So, um, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, we celebrated our two-year um, anniversary slash birthday slash um, premiere of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we had, how many phone calls did we have? Uh, zero. Zero people right. called to congratulate zero. us. Zero people called to congratulate us. So what we did is we went ahead and tried to make feel people feel bad as possible for forgetting to, um, expecting a slew, a slew of belated happy anniversary calls. Rob, how many calls did we get? Uh, that generated exactly two calls, and I think one to two conversations, at least with me, of people saying, why didn't you tell us to call? <laughs> so... I want to tell you that starting in late November, early December, I'm going to start telling people that I want them to call me for my birthday. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, well, yeah. And again, I think I have to go back to if Booked had a birthday listed on Facebook, mm-hmm. it would have been a whole different story. Yep. Um, so, see, nobody started that conversation with me because they knew they were all dead to me. <laughs> so not one person was like, man, you should have said something. I just, I, nothing. Just yeah. silence. So, which is okay. But we did get, actually, technically, we did get four phone calls. Oh, yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> how many? We, we <laughs> suspect that three of them are from the same person. <laughs> <laughs> so. Suspect meaning I uh, can see what phone was, it was, uh, the yeah. call was made from. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> we should probably play those for the listeners, huh? Are we going to do all four? Um, yeah, I, I think we should. All right. Just one after the other? Just bang, bang, bang? Um, yeah, let's let's it drop. So first off is going to be um, a booked friend, Kevin Lynn Helmick, um, who we've talked about. We just talked about on the last episode, wasn't it? We were talking about his, his novella being nominated for Spine Tinglerwood. Yeah, author of Driving Alone and mm-hmm. uh, contributor to the booked anthology. Yep. And uh, the second group of phone calls are all believed to be from... Um, Book's uh, number one fan, Frank Goodler. That's right. Uh, although he might claim otherwise. But uh, yeah, here we go. Hey, uh, it's Kevin Helmick. Happy birthday, Booked. I didn't forget. I just didn't give a shit. But you made me feel so bad, I had to give you a call. And uh, Liv, I'm glad you liked the rabbit picture. It stirred the shit out of me, too. But anyway, happy birthday, two years. Guys, take care. Later. Bye. Book. Two years. It feels like I should be singing a song. So, happy birthdays to you. Happy birthdays to you. Happy birthdays to the book podcast. Uh, happy birthday to you. This is James Patterson. This is the second year I'm calling. Finally, I get the review on the book podcast. What more will it take? I don't know. James Patterson, signing off. Book Podcast, it's Frank Edler here. Some would say I'm your number one fan. A couple would say I'm not. What I do know is that it's been two years and I've been listening to you guys, and I freaking love every single second of it. I want another year. I want to go three years. I want to be shamed in the third year for not calling in. That's all I know. Just keep them coming. Keep them good. Keep them booked. I can't wait to read that book, book, book anthology. So good. Happy two years, booked. 
together. Out. So, wow, that was really nice, guys. Thank you, Mr. Helmick and Mr. Edler, for uh, for remembering to call him for, for our birthday. I think that's awesome. So, thank you. Although, feel so much better. <laughs> although, when Kevin said, um, I forgot to call because I didn't care, I think is what he said. That's a little bit like, mm. I don't know, Kevin. Yeah, all right. We'll remember that, Kevin, when you're uh, doing a book release or something. Let's just let's just be really thankful that um, we weren't in person with Ferguson when this happened because he would have tried giving us like the two like spanking, you know, for two. Yeah, so. yeah. and one for good measure. That's the, the always the yeah. worst one. Yeah. So, but uh, there it is. So now we can stop talking about our second birthday and we can start telling people about our third birthday. So here it is, guys. April first, two thousand fourteen, will be Book's third anniversary. Um, feel free to call us and let us know, um, you know that you appreciate us. Sing us a song. Send us a cake. <laughs> That's right. I actually texted Livius the other day, and I told him that we uh, I renewed the registration of the <laughs> domain for our website for two years the other day. <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to get the, the exact text message because I don't want to misquote you. <laughs> I messaged him, just renewed the booked website registration for two years. His response, <laughs> That's optimistic. <laughs> My I told that. I said, think so? Question mark. <laughs> I told that to one of my coworkers when it happened, and the guy just said, "Wow, you're a dick at home too, huh?" <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, apparently. yeah. So, um, <laughs> all right. So yeah, keep, bring yeah. Uh, you could even, I guess, the the smart thing to do would be uh, just, just do the jet airs, call in now, and say happy third anniversary, so we got it ready to go when uh, that time comes around. True that. Um, that's what we need, a bunch of happy birthday calls 11 months early. Um, we did mention Spine Tingler Awards a moment ago um, yeah. in, in relation to um, Kevin Helmick. Um, do you want to talk about the other one? I realize that we skipped over the Frank Bill episode and didn't mention the other three Spine Tingler Awards, but, but polls are still open until the end of April. We should probably talk about the other three categories that we didn't cover. Yeah, that's right. So uh, there are six categories total we covered... Uh, the first three before it was uh, um, uh, new voice for best novel, uh, best novel for uh, the rising star or legend, right? Mm-hmm. And um, best novella or short story, right? Or short story collection uh, novella? Yes, that one, uh, the one that Matt Funk is in. We talked about that too. <laughs> So, <laughs> so the, this week we're going to talk about um, best cover. Um, best cover. Uh, some of the nominees. This is a little harder to read because it's just pictures of the covers, and you have to click on the individual ones. But I will say that um, Shotgun Honey, both barrels, um, is is one of the covers, and I just recognize that from having seen it everywhere. It's the uh, the, the the chick in the leather suit with the eye patch. Yep, I like that one a lot. Um, we also have uh, Johnny Shaw with Big Maria, um, <laughs> Butch Fatal, Dyke Dick, Double D, Double Cry. I don't even know what this is. I must read this now, though. That oh, title it's by is... Krista Faust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's by Krista Faust. Butch Fatal, Dyke Dick, I'm guessing, is the character. Like a detective that's a yes. lesbian? Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is a Double D, Double Cross. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I think that we might have to read that book. <laughs> um, Blood and Tacos, number one, um, and a variety of others. There's there's probably more in this category than anything else, and there's like ten covers on here. Uh, Shotgun Honey, Both Barrels, does contain a lot of people that we've talked uh, about on the show before. Frank Bill's in there, uh, Dan O'Shea, um, oh, man, just uh, Nick Corpon, Matt Funk, Pretty what much Rob's everybody. trying to say is that it receives the official booked endorsement yeah. for your vote for we're best endorse, cover. We're endorsing it for sure. Mm-hmm. Although that double D double cross. That, that, That's uh, the honorable yeah. mention for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if for some reason you are like just fully opposed to voting to for the both barrels one, that's mm-hmm. that Krista Foss one is definitely the one we recommend you vote for. Mm-hmm. Uh, another category we got going on here. Uh, the Spine Tingler Awards Best Anthology Slash Short Story Collection. Yeah, we're hoping that if you have an anthology or short story collection um, out that you are nominated this year, um, next year you are welcome to take second place. Yeah, because we'll be in, we'll be yeah. obviously taking that honor. But the people that are uh, this year that that stand out to us, obviously again, Shotgun Honey, Both Barrels, mm-hmm. um, Beat to a Pulp Two, Crime Factory's got one out called Hard Labor. Um, 
Yeah, there's about seven or eight total. But I think Shotgun Honey, again, gets our endorsement. Agreed. Now, we have this other category. This is like the wild card category, because <laughs> in looking through it, we have no no relation to anyone on this list, I don't think. Yeah, that's um, weird. The best short story on the web. Uh, I'm just going to read through a few of the nominees. There was a Michael Gonzalez. I got all, all excited. <laughs> the yep. Death of Newark. Um, which I thought, you know, him being from the West Coast, the death of Newark might, you know, might be you know, one of those uh, East Coast, uh, West Coast war mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And so Michael A. Gonzalez. So I guess that's probably the guy we want to have people vote for. Just because it's closest to... Yeah. 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 we got stories by Pete Risley, um, Ken Bruin, Terry Butler, Brian Panowich. Panowich? Yeah. yeah. Alex Mate- Mattingly, Hart Taylor, uh, Frank Wheeler Jr., Gina, Gita Smith, sorry. Chris Benton and Daniel, man, these are again a bunch of made-up names. Makiwa, Makiwa, Makiwa. So uh, yeah, give Michael Gonzalez your vote always. Yeah, that's right. So we'll just run through really quick and do like I don't know, you know, like like local na- newspapers and stuff. I'll always kind of during election time do like their election guide, uh, who they you know, you know, a rundown of the candidates, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll endorse candidates. So we're just going to run through really quick. Uh, new voice nominees, like we said on our previous one. You've got Gordon Highland on there. Not a lot of competition there, except for maybe by Jillian Flynn. But that's, again, interesting. We're going to see how that turns out, whether Jillian Flynn's uh, overall notoriety has any kind of effect on, on the outcome here. Yep, the official booked endorsement goes to Gordon Highland. That's right. Did I sound official when I said that? It did. It sounded great. Yeah. All right, in the uh, next category, we have the uh, Best Novella Short Novel nominees. Um, you've got options here, uh, and you can go either with Matthew C. Funk for A Woman and a Knife, um, which appears alongside David James Keaton in Uncle Bob's Drive-In Uncle Bees. Uncle yeah. Bees, but the B could stand for Bob. Could be Bob. You had an Uncle Bob, don't you? No. All right. And then uh, Driving Alone by Kevin Lynn Helmick. Um, my vote will go to that because I actually did read it and very much enjoy it. So you've got, you've got a choice there. That's right. Uh, let's talk about best uh, novel, Rising Star, or Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a couple options you've got here. I know Livius is gunning for the Don Winslow Kings of Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally was a big fan of Dare Me by Megan Abbott, so I know that's where... Uh, I'm going to put my weight, uh, but really there's a few there's a few there that you could go for. Yep, and don't forget Joe Lansdale, King of Horror, and some crime stuff, I guess, too. Yeah. Um, short story collections, uh, we're going to go with Shotgun Honey Presents Both Barrels, I believe, right, is our official endorsement. That's Yeah, that's what we're pushing for. There it is. Uh, best short story on the web, that's your uh, wild card category and Michael A. Gonzalez just because your name is so close to someone that we know and love that's that's who we are putting our endorsement in for <laughs> and finally the 2013 Spine Tingler Award for Best Cover nominees um, it's uh, it's both barrels again but I swear I looked at the goddamn Butch Fatale like dick <laughs> I tell you what, now I'm torn. (laughs) If your parents were killed by uh, a leather, a woman in leather with an eye patch, and you just can't handle the idea of 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 an image like that winning, go for the Krista Faust, Butch Fatale, like Dick, double D, double cross. (laughs) It's just so fun to say. How did that miss? How did? Because this would have come out this year. How did nobody say like, guys, you totally have to read this? Yeah, I'm really disappointed that this didn't. uh, this didn't land on our radar. Uh, now, can I uh, can I switch switch gears a little bit? I'm going to go off script a little bit because we've talked several times tonight about you know why someone hasn't given us a nominee or you know mentioned something to us to read and and that you know it came from uh, some of our listeners that we should take a look at at uh, stud book. Um, Brandon Teets recommended something, sort of recommended something to us this past week. I'm trying to find the link so. There we go. Um, there is a, yeah, I don't know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I was waiting, like, what the hell is he talking about? No, I've <laughs> actually got something here. Oh, yeah. It's a, there's a Kickstarter for, oh, oh, the name has changed. Dude, the name has they changed. They changed the so name? The title now is Twinks Fighting Alien Overlords from Outer Space. 
Oh, yeah, the word fag used to be in there. Yes, but now it's been changed to Twinks, which is not short for Twinkies. No, as yeah, there's definitely out. not. It's not as I found out when I tried to order a dozen. <laughs> not as innocent as a as a baked good cake. So um, this is being put together by um, Tejun Fowler of Coquille, Oregon. Uh, is that anywhere near Portland? Probably. Yeah. Well, I guess everything in Oregon is near Portland, right? No, no actually. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely not. <laughs> Um, so this guy has put together a Kickstarter. Now, this Kickstarter started four days ago, okay? And when I, the day it came up, Brandon Teets um, had mentioned this and then said, you know, that, that he can't believe that we're not all over this, uh, you know, to review it for the show, which is, I'm going to be really honest with you, it's not likely to happen, Brandon, but thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> um, it had $50 in, which, you know, that's not bad. Day one, 50 bucks. Um, it was one backer for $50. Um, he's looking to get to five thousand dollars, and now four days later, he's already up to fifty-one dollars. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah, that was a two percent increase over the last four days. Um, yeah. Uh, did you look at the different prizes? I, I did. I'm actually watching there. a video right now. <laughs> There's because I know that uh, for a thousand dollars. For the, the, the low, low sum of $1,000, mm-hmm. you can get um, a phone interview with him about the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go up to $10,000, Skype interview with him. That's awesome. Now, that may sound inconsequential, but uh, in our experience as podcasters, the, so- the audio quality of Skype uh, for recording a podcast is so... So much better than actually just being on a phone. So, dude's got something to it. I mean, that might be worth an extra nine thousand dollars. Um, Michael Paul <laughs> Gonzalez pointed out to us that nowhere in here do you actually get a copy of the book. <laughs> yeah. At the thousand dollars, you get a, a, a manuscript, right? Um, but that nowhere, not at the hundred dollars, do you actually get um, a copy of the for a hundred dollars. Yeah. You get an autographed and signed picture of the guy. Um, for $25, you get on a mailing list that delivers live updates to you. So I've got to think this is a joke, right? And this guy just put this up there to see as an experiment to see how much money he can get for an absurd concept. Promising horrible packages. I mean, that's all right. Without pointing any fingers, this has been something that we've been seeing lately with uh, these type of crowdsourced uh, fundraisers for for projects is that I mean really and I remember when we talked about that interactive Sherlock Holmes book way back mm-hmm. when yeah one of the things that was so compelling about that fundraiser was that the the types of rewards that you would get for your contribution mm-hmm. were pretty awesome like they were really cool and um, just the fact that you would have some sort of return on on you know your leap of faith for these people was like kind of really the the main crux of 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 helping them out but like i mean this kickstarter yeah seems like it's kind of a joke but some people very seriously put together fundraisers like this with just no concept of what a good return uh is uh Mm -hmm. for um for people's contribution and it's like if you do it bad a you're not going to get your money you're not even going to come close and b i mean it's kind of insulting to the people you're asking for money from yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I mean, to me, the concept of, of Kickstarter projects basically was a way to, like, like I have an idea, but I need money to produce the idea. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have people buy it in advance of its production, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think it's like like kind of like pre-ordering if you pre- you're pre-ordering a new you know iPhone. Only Apple doesn't need your money to manufacture it. But if they did... They could be like, okay, so we have to get X amount of pre-orders so we can have the money to buy the chips that go in the phone. Then we'll send these people their phones and we'll take our whatever off the top 10, 20, 30%, you know. Um, so I've seen that and that's great. I mean, I've seen, a, there was a radio station here in Chicago that went under a few years ago and now they maintain a web presence, but they did a Kickstarter for a concert. And basically it was buying your tickets in advance of the concert so that they could show there's enough interest and enough money to pay the bands that would be coming to the concert. Yeah. I get the concept. Yeah. It's wonderful. 
Right, and that's more versatile than a pre-order because a mm-hmm. pre-order limits you to spending X amount of dollars. But like, mm-hmm. if you really believe in the cause, you can go as high as you want. Right. So normally, when we see these types of things, you see a, you know, a dollar gets you a thank you. By the way, he removed the one dollar one. It's not on there anymore. After I think he had a one dollar one, didn't he? I believe so. Okay. So ten dollars, you get a link to a place where you can monitor the book via online. Via Versus online. Yeah, versus a link to where you can monitor it, you know, by phone. <laughs> by, I don't monitor many things via offline. Yeah, yeah, by smoke signals. Yeah. Um, so typically, you know, when I've seen these, it's like, hey, for five or ten, you know, so for like a dollar, you get a thank you. For like five bucks, we list you on the web page as a contributor, you know, or for five bucks, you get an ebook, or for ten bucks, you get an ebook. For fifteen, you know, you get uh, the paper book, and you know, so it's all very reasonably priced. You know, I mean, paper books are fifteen bucks. That's you know, yeah. so you're not paying them any more than you would than if you just went on to Amazon to buy it after the fact. This guy at twenty five dollars puts you on a mailing list, so you get the link where you can monitor it. But in case you can't get online, he puts you on a mailing list that I'm sure you also have to get online to see via your email. Mm-hmm. Hundred bucks is an autographed and signed picture of somebody nobody knows. That's why I keep thinking it's a joke because most typically, at a hundred bucks, you're getting like a limited edition hardcover. Um, you're getting some type of you know limited edition bookmark. I mean, there's some things that go on, and usually you get into the thousand or ten thousand dollar ones. Like you get to go write a chapter. Like right, they will name a yeah, character after you. They will you know. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff that goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, like when they were doing that smoke and mirrors one. Like when you got up to a higher contribution, like you had to walk on part in that film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this guy who, and, and you know, you have to put the pie in the sky one out there. And most of the time, as you see, it, it doesn't happen in, in most of them. But come on, man, $10,000. You get a one-in-one live interview with Skype. Via Skype, though. Yeah. Not phone. Yeah. Yes. Worth um, the cost yeah. of admission. Yeah. Also, the $10,000 one, the only place you can read the book. Because now <laughs> after you've kickstarted this thing and paid... $25, now you get to pay full price for the book, which I'm sure, I can't imagine this guy's going to let a paper copy of this go for less than $24.99. Got to give it to him, though, for setting the goal at 5000 but then having a $10,000 contribution level. Mm-hmm. Well, but you see that, too. I, I recently contributed to a, a new type of phone keyboard. It's software. And they were looking for $8,000, and within a few days, it had hit like the front page of Reddit, and they had like 38000 yeah. So it happens that people go way, way, way over what their initial, you know, desire was. Um, this guy, I'm going to check back on him in 27 days. I'm going to guess it maybe gets up to 90 bucks. Hey, uh, I just had an idea for an offshoot mm-hmm. podcast. You ready for this? Yes. We review fundraisers. This might not be a bad idea. Yeah. Kickstarted. <laughs> Nice, nice. Remember that the music one was going to be called Noted? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. And I don't want you to forget another innovation that I came up with that I'm revisiting in my mind. Donnie Booked is going to happen. (laughs) I thought you were going to go back to the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't speak about that. I'm sorry, you can edit that out. (laughs) All right, Um, before we get on to our next uh, (laughs) podcast concept, um, I want to say... because of the having the the paper book and stuff i had to finish what i was reading beforehand and read that because typically we read books simultaneously you know we have digital copies and we both read them the week before we do the review so i was a little i had to jump ahead and read stud book um which cut me off in the middle of reading to the book to die upon a kiss by craig walwork um who you will remember was a guest of ours during the three author interview and has been featured on booked i don't know 150 times or so approximately going all the way back to revenge of the zombie pussy eaters mm-hmm. um so i finished the book and i know we're not doing a review of it um you know craig walwork has taken up enough time on the show already i think so um i just want to say to die upon a kiss this is an unofficial booked um rating of five stars i wow. highly recommend you go out and buy it um i also think it's like a whopping three bucks or something for your for your kindle yeah yeah so can definitely I, not gonna break the bank can mm-hmm. i ask you did it come through on his promise of having excessive female masturbation? All right. I've been working on this. I've been thinking about this for a while, so I'm going to do my best I can here because I had uh, I had tried my best Craig Wallwork voice before. 
I've been practicing like crazy. Um, and I, I knew this was going to come up because I just wanted to mention on the show what a great book it is and, and what a great writer Mr. Walrick is. So here it is. I will have to say that the book did contain excessive female masturbation. There, what do you think? How'd that sound? That uh, can, Uncanny. I, I mean, there was that. Not, I've been working on it, man. <laughs> I think if you uh, listened back to back to uh, Craig saying it on on the interview and, and mm-hmm. you saying it just now, nearly mm-hmm. indistinguishable. Hey, if you missed it the first time, here it is again. Excessive female masturbation. There you go. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I'm just so impressed. So it does have plenty of excessive female masturbation is what you're telling me? Um, I wouldn't say plenty. I think it has just enough. Excessive female masturbation. Okay. Well, I mean, and, and on top of that, obviously, like you said, very good read. Absolutely. No, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I will say that, um, you know, you can go back and listen to what the whole thing is about. It's about these two people that wind up basically euthanizing um, people who are who are dying already. Um, in an effort to get the the protagonist to kind of come to terms with his own imminent death, uh, I had no idea where this book was going. Just just no clue whatsoever. It it really and it's not that it's a thriller, but I'll say like kept me on my toes because with a lot of books you can kind of see where they're heading. I I couldn't in this book see where it was going at all. Oh. Yeah, Very I've always I mean so far everything Craig has written I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm right with you, dude. I'm I'm so with you. I've uh, I've been rereading slowly the uh, the stories for the book anthology, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I gotta say, and this is kind of interesting. I really liked these stories when I first read them. I think I was reading them like really critically, you know, like are yeah. we gonna accept the story? I, I gotta look and see if I can make any notes on punctuation or, or, or funny wording or whatever. Reading them now, I'm kind of reading them more as a reader, and I'm enjoying them even more than I did the first time, which is just so goddamn cool. That's good news. Yeah. yeah. Very, very excited. Yeah, good. Yeah, I guess we need to have some sort of solid update on that. But um, it's it's down to the wire, guys. We're just pretty much like just wrapping things up. And um, once we have a good, solid idea of when it can be available to purchase, you're going to be the first to know. God, I was just being a huge prick. Like, I'm reading this book. <laughs> Nobody else can read it. But all right. And, and to be fair to the listeners who uh, I know are just dying to get their hands on this, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of several proofreaders, nobody has seen this. Uh, the contributors haven't seen it yet. They haven't seen the cover art, which uh, is is pretty much done. Uh, they haven't seen outside of maybe like the table of contents we listed on the website. They haven't seen any of the other stories. So this mm-hmm. is still a very very secret project. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Very very cool. But yes, we're on it. We're on it. Over the next couple of weeks, I think it's going to be going to the printers. That's right. That's one of the reasons I'm reading it is to kind of one last habit, not running into like crazy <laughs> issues and. Ugh. Yeah, we uh, we like the, the one of the things we like the very least is looking stupid. So we're just going to do everything we can to make it very difficult for people to point out mistakes. Yes. As a matter of fact, we sent uh, we sent Mal- Malaz was one of our proofreaders because um, you know he's the guy who would point out the mistakes. Mm. So it's kind of all on him if there's mistakes. Yeah. Too. yeah, if anything slips by, it's his fault. The crazy Dutchman. Yeah, we are absolved. Hey, any rate, do you know what what episode's up next? Uh, yeah, we actually uh, Monica did in fact end up interrupting our interviews, um, but as far as as what we have coming up. As promised, we will be delivering on our promise to have uh, Lords of Salem author uh, Brian Evanson back onto the the podcast to talk a little bit about that. What's our next book? The Cost of Living um, by Rob Roberge. Uh, If longtime listeners will remember that uh, Craig Clevenger spoke very, very highly of Mr. Roberge, and it's taken us a long time. We're waiting for him to come out with something new. And uh, it's here. It's upon us. The cost of living. I've already started it. Um, We got to spend a few minutes with Rob in um, Boston, which was really nice. And uh, and, uh, I got to tell you, Rob, I'm only like 12% in. But I have a feeling we're going to want to talk to this guy, too. Dude, let me just say, uh, I got the book in my hand right now. And Mm -hmm. I just noticed that one of the blurbs on the back cover is Mm -hmm. the bass player from Weezer. No kidding. Yeah. He says, this is a guy who clearly knows his way around a tour bus 
and around a massive drug habit, a dark, funny, frightening, and above all, authentic book about the toll the rock and roll lifestyle can take. There you go. Very cool, man. Maybe we can get Weezer on to talk about the book. Yeah, we'll get uh, Scott Schreiner is the guy's name. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, we're... Uh, we're uh, we're close, man. We're like a week out from reviewing that. Um, we've got uh, we've got a busy reviewing schedule ahead of us, and then of course, you know what do we do? We keep throwing in uh, interviews in between. <laughs> so uh, expect more of that. Brian Evanson coming up next. Hopefully, maybe Rob Roberge in a couple of weeks. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, we're setting our sights on some other people that we haven't had on yet. So, uh, at 2013 is the year of of guests. Indeed. Um, so not sure which one's coming up next. My money's on uh, on Evanson. I think that's going to be our next episode. But until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Keep reading.